The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. The following program contains discussion of content some listeners may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's a bit of a special episode, because I'm throwing straight to one of our guests, Dr. Ellen Sears. How are you, Dr. Ellen? I'm well, thank you, Stephen. Dr. Ellen, are you aware that this is your 25th appearance on the Cinema Catch-Up Club? I am aware, yes. You certainly are. And because uh, this is your 25th appearance, and because we have a few other guests who are getting close to that number as well, mm. we've decided, and by we, I mean me entirely, has decided uh, that it might be fun <laughs> Uh, when guests reach episode 25, they get to pick whatever film they want, and I can't say no. So, uh, the film that you have selected is Girl Interrupted. I wish you'd, I wish you'd said I could have picked any film, because I, I, I would have possibly picked something else just to annoy you. But no, no, I, I, am, I am excited to get to do this film. Mm. So, Girl Interrupted. Yeah. You have chosen this film. Yeah. Why? I haven't watched it for a couple of years, but I remember watching it when I was a teenager and really enjoying it. I, it's got an amazing cast. Um, it's got one of my favorite movie scores, not just the instrumental score, but also just the soundtrack is absolutely unreal. It's one of my favorite ones to listen to. And I just thought, why not? It doesn't have any anniversaries coming up, so we're probably not going to do it on the podcast for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just a really, really good film. I'd just like to rewatch it, so I figured, why not? Okay. Uh, well, joining us, we have someone who has not seen the film. In fact, we've got someone who is taking step one on their 25 steps to picking their own film. That's right. <laughs> it's a debut from Georgia Smith. Hi, guys. Hi, Georgia. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Georgia, um, when we have somebody new on the program, I like to ask them two questions. Who are you and what do you do? I'm not a doctor. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, not in the company of Trio. Um, I am a stage manager, I guess, although in current climate, I'm just unemployed and living on those hopes and dreams. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, one day, one day the stage will return. Until then, you've got a bit of free time to watch a film that you have never seen before. Yeah, I'm excited. What do you know about Girl Interrupted? Uh, so we're currently looking at the, like, freeze frame of the DVD menu, and the image is just the image. That's all I know. Just that, that... iconic mm. Angelina yeah. Jolie with blonde hair. Mm. Maybe it gets cropped at some point. I feel like I've seen her with, like, short blonde hair. Mm. But also, maybe that's not this film at all. I'm Winona Ryder. I just... I know that much. The image is what I know. Excellent. The image is very iconic. I yeah, think I feel like I I've seen it's... this. So a couple of t- like when I was leading up to this, I was like, "Have I seen this film?" Mm. I'm pretty sure I haven't. I'm pretty sure I've just seen this image a mm. bunch. Well, I'm in the same boat. Um, I have not seen Girl Interrupted. I basically know this. I know that um, 
Misha Collins, who is an actor that's more famous for being in Supernatural nowadays, yeah, he's has a, a bit, bit part. has a bit part in this. Yeah, but I know right. that because of Ellen. Because uh, I like Supernatural, yeah. And, <laughs> and I also know this is a film that Ellen really enjoys for various reasons. But mm. I have no idea what it's going to be about, mm. um, which is quite fun. So, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, Ellen, um, what what can people like myself and Georgia and others expect from Girl Interrupted? Um. Uh, probably the vaguest, most non-spoilery way of putting this film is that it's a period piece. It's set in the 1960s and the main character is Winona Ryder's character and she is in the mental institution. Mm. Um, And everything else kind of all leads on from there. All right. And it's really frigging good. It's got, yeah, an amazing cast. And yeah, I I think the, the, the thing that really got me with this film was that when I first saw it, I didn't actually recognize Angelina Jolie. Right. And, like, I knew who she was. I had seen her in other things. Yeah. But, yeah, and I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure she got nominated, and I don't know if she won an Oscar for this role, but I'm pretty sure she may have. Um, and, yeah, when you watch it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I could, I can see why, because she's just totally unrecognisable. Because this came out in, what, 2001? 2000. 2000. So if you think about the kind of movies that she was doing in, like, the late 90s, she has a very specific look and a lot of films that she was doing and then this was just like was this the first time she was blonde i'm not sure um but she just doesn't really look like herself because normally like in in a lot of the roles that she did um or that she has done she's looked very you know glamorous and the long dark hair it's a very signature look and this is just a total departure and yeah she's amazing i mean they're all amazing it's Mm. just yeah really good cast really female heavy like a lot of um female characters which is kind of unusual to have such a female-centric focus mm-hmm. in a movie of this time period. And yeah, it's got, it's got such good music. I love the music in this movie a lot. All right, well, shall we watch Girl Interrupted? Sure. Let's do it. Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs and prepare to throw Winona Ryder into a bath. <laughs> I've been told that's something that happens in this film as we watch Girl Interrupted. back everybody we have just finished watching girl interrupted and by we i of course mean dr ellen sears and stage manager georgia smith hey georgia that was your first time watching girl interrupted what do you think it's it's a lot Mm. (laughs) just so much um yeah i I suppose um is it the sort of film that that you enjoy this sort of um very character driven uh psychological study i guess is it normally your sort of thing yeah, I've got like a special place in my heart for movies like this, mm. especially from this sort of era. It mm. was like a real vibe at the time. Yeah. And I've watched quite a few of them and I'm always like, yeah. Mm. And this one, did it, did it meet with that, I suppose, that quality standard? Yeah. I think it was like just beautifully shot in so many ways. Mm. Mm. Uh, I have to say, as a first time watcher of this film, um, which is right on the edge of the 90s it's it's uh, i believe it's the end of december 1999 is when it was first released right. so it's like it's right at the end of the 90s and even though it's a film that's set in the 60s it does feel quite 90s in a lot of ways yeah. um and it, it it's interesting that a film that's set in the 60s 
doesn't really feel like it's kind of engrossed in that 60s culture that much, even though it plays a part in the plot. Like, mm. we see um, Jared Leto uh, draft dodging <laughs> and things like that. Um, but, but I think because we're in Claymore for so much of the film, mm. it feels as though that could have taken place anywhere up to the 90s in terms of the setting with people predominantly accessing the outside world through TV and books and things yeah. like that. Mm. Um, Ellen, when did you last watch this film? Um, I'm honestly not sure. I would have watched it first as a teenager, so probably early 2000s, like within a couple of years of it coming out because it was on the TV, like I said. Mm. And then I didn't watch it again for a long time. I mean, I actually don't remember the last time I watched it. I've only watched... I, I watched the VHS tape that I taped off the TV about a bazillion times. Mm. Um, and then I saw, I think, the full version of it, I don't know, maybe like eight years ago or something like that. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been a while since I've watched it. I mm. don't know that I've watched it since we've been going out. Right. And But we, I, don't, I, yeah. I couldn't tell you when the last time I watched it was. I just know that I watched the VHS tape a bunch of times and I've definitely seen it once, the full proper version. Mm. But... I'm not sure when. How was it revisiting? Seeing as this was the one that you picked. It's a, look, it's a, it's just a really, really good film. And, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it still really holds up. I remember watching it as a angsty little teenager and just being like, yes, this is amazing. Mm. Um, and you know, there's the, the actual instrumental score. Like I used to have it on a lot when I was like writing stuff because I used to do a lot of creative writing. Mm. like angsty sad stories and things like that so like for little angsty teenage Ellen I was just like yes like this is so like Mm. intense and it's very female focused which was very cool as like a young like teenager like young woman to get to sort of watch a film that was like this because I'd not really seen anything like this previously Mm. and it's really it's like it's really intense but like it's really enjoyable to watch in a way like you're watching it and you're like man this is like really intense but like Mm. it's so well put together the performances are great yeah yeah it's just it's just a really good film and i have to say as as someone watching this for the first time um one of the things that i found really interesting about it um is the fact that even though this is a film which is uh, predominantly female cast all the main characters are female yeah uh, all of their interactions are largely based around who they are, not their gender. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the aspects of their gender absolutely come into bits of the story. For sure, yeah. Um, particularly the fact that um, Winona Ryder's character um, Sue is Susanna, yeah. is Susanna's being um, essentially slut shamed. Not not in oh, so many yeah, words, yeah. but like it's like you're being promiscuous, and she questions that. But but yeah. largely the issues that the characters have and their interactions with each other mm. are not are not driven by um quote-unquote women's issues which yeah, i feel yeah. like other films have kind of done that and kind of made it like it's yeah. you know it's like it's like men's issues but in, in pink like you know it, yeah. it really felt like these were fully fleshed out well-rounded characters and i think a lot of that comes from the fact that this was based on a true story this is based on mm. a real person and mm. her writings so yeah, I think I think that plays a big part in it. These characters feel very fully formed. I mean, the cast is incredible. You look at um, what they've gone on to do since then. Like Angelina Jolie is obviously this huge, like massive international star. Mm-hmm. Winona Ryder's done a lot of amazing stuff. Um, 
post this. I mean, she's she's and she's recently gotten back into like doing Stranger Things and like lots of other things. Like Elizabeth Moss has been in what um what was the other Handmaid's thing? Tale. Yeah, Handmaid's Tale and Mad in Men. Mad Men. Yeah. And I mean, Brittany Murphy's in this, and she's great. And mm. yeah, I mean, she died tragically a couple of years ago, but she's really good in this. Yeah, yeah. it. it I Whoopi mean, Goldberg, like, yeah. oh my god, it is an incredible what a cast. cast. <laughs> so good. I mean, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg turned up, and Georgia, you were like, oh, it's Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I was really kind of enjoying that because I, having not seen this film as well, but having a rough idea of the cast, I was like when's this person going to turn up? Like, when is when are we going to get Vanessa Redgrave? And then yeah. she's there. Yeah, it's like, Jared ah. Leto just turns up and it's like, oh my God. Mm. Like, all, so many of these people went on to do yeah. some incredible stuff. Looking a lot yeah. like Zac Efron. It's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, he did have some mad Zac Efron vibes going on, didn't he? Yeah. but the, the sweeping fringe. Yeah, the, the plot mm. of this film um, obviously follows the, the book, which is based on real events, mm. of Susanna Kaysen. Um, it was her memoir from her time. Uh, 18 months that she spent in a psychiatric hospital between 1967 and 1968 after a suicide attempt mm. and um, I think it's that's kind of like where we I suppose we almost have to start with the story and with the way that's depicted is Winona Ryder and her um, performance as yeah. Susanna um, she's very good yeah I mean she's a great actress just kind of in general but she's very good in this and because it's so focused on her Mm. like you're really really following her all the way through like it's very it's very very focused in on her and her character Mm. and she's just really great to watch she's got such an amazing for such a tiny lady Mm. like she's (laughs) she's minuscule like she's a very little person yeah and she's got but she's got such a striking look about her Hmm. and then add on top of that the amazing acting chops and it's just yeah it's she's a really compelling she's really compelling in this i really enjoy her in this Hmm. yeah and also is somebody who is always there it is in every scene yeah we we, Mm -hmm. we, the only time we don't specifically see her in a scene is the um montage of 1968 of like yeah, like we we see her in and amongst the montage, but there's a couple of things like when we see um, Valerie by herself, yeah, feeling quite morose after um, Martin, Martin Luther, Luther King, King has been yeah. killed, and like there's other characters like we see Lisa like brooding and things like that. That's the only time we really get away from being with uh, Susanna. Yeah, and I I do have to say though, before she gets to Claymore, the time jumping. Yeah. And the, the transitions. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were really cool. So good. Yeah. And it's a good way of kind of visually showing how she feels, like the way that her mental health is. And she's saying, you know, I'm having troubles with keeping time. Like time is jumping backwards and forwards all the time for me. Mm-hmm. And like I'm trying to keep track of reality and it's really hard. And to show that in a visual way and to do it so seamlessly and so beautifully. So you're like, oh. Like it's like it's it's like when you're walking downstairs and you miss a step or mm. you feel like there's another step and then there's not that jolting feeling. It's like that, but again and again and again. Yeah, and yeah. it's beautiful because it puts you right in her shoes and you're like, oh, I'm feeling the things. Yeah, and it's 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 like very simple, but it's just executed really well. Mm. Yeah. Um, was there a particular transition for you, Georgia, that made you just go like, oh, this is good? Oh, there were so many of them. Does that fir- in that first bit? There were so many that were like. That's great. Here's another great cut. Mm. That's also great. Like going from like 
her laying in the bed, seeing her eyes and then seeing what you expect that she's like, it just turning your like, mm-hmm. what you're expecting to see on its head. Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh no, she's just now, now she's in this other memory. Yeah. It's somewhere else. You're like seeing her mind, like mm. move with mm. that motion of being like, what is happening? What mm. time is it now? Yeah. And it was such a good, uh, effective way of, of showcasing that. Like when she is about to leave, um, Tobias's bedroom and opens the door and a nurse steps through. So good. And it's like, what? Uh, yeah. Are they doing this? <laughs> I think it's also a really great way of, because when you kind of get introduced to, obviously it starts sort of at, in the future and then the rest of the film is like a flashback because she she starts on the floor with Lisa. Yeah. Where yeah. They, at, the, where, at the climax. Yeah, at, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so you're always kind of like, oh, where does this fit in? And then it's like, oh, so we've got to get here. There's obviously, mm. yeah, we, 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 we've somehow got to get there. And then as they're establishing kind of where Susanna is before she goes into Claymore, and then as she goes in there, those little flashbacks, it just gives you all those little puzzle pieces about why is she here, what's going on with her, what's going on with her general state of mind. And then I think as well, it kind of settles down throughout the film as well. Obviously, you've got all those fast cuts at the beginning where you're sliding from memory to memory and then by the end of it it's a lot smoother yeah yeah and i think it's um i i I did find that occasionally when watching this film i felt as though there were kind of crucial bits of information that maybe i'd missed or that they were being deliberately obscured i think Mm -hmm. i i think that sometimes like a character would say something but because because they talk reasonably quietly it's not like Mm. you know a romantic comedy where it's like you have to hear every single word that we say because it is all important in this i feel like because it's quite naturalistic there's little bits where they kind of drop stuff in but if you weren't listening for it you might miss it mm. um so so for me it was the fact that that when, when we first have that cut to her in hospital with getting a stomach pumped basically yeah, where mm-hmm. she's just attempted to um to overdose on what was it aspirin? She, she had aspirin. a she had a bottle aspirin. of aspirin yeah. and a bottle of vodka and there's a man who's kind of like looking through yeah the the window and i was like okay Who is that? and then <laughs> when he sort of shows up one other time but it's i didn't click that it was um the husband of one of her mum's friends yeah. until we had the scene in the ice cream shop where she was like, I hope you stay in there forever for sleeping with my husband, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 but looking back on it, I couldn't tell if that was like me just missing that one bit of dialogue or bit of something that made me go. He's the one who also came to her bedroom and propositioned her. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. That, that, that's the other scene. And yeah. so I got the sense where it was like, okay, she's had a bit of a fling with a married man. Cool. Uh, I didn't see Dustin Hoffman getting sent to uh, to a uh, clinic in his 60s film where he slept with an older married woman. But okay, cool. <laughs> it's fun how that gender parody works. Um, but the, um, yeah, it, seeing, I didn't make that connection yeah. until it was kind of spelled out for me. And I'm not yeah. sure if that was a deliberate choice of the film to kind of make it like, who is this man? Oh, that's who that man is. Or, yeah. if, or if it was just me missing something. Uh- I feel like I feel like this movie doesn't necessarily like spoon feed you. It kind of goes like here's the breadcrumbs and follow them where you will. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you would probably pick up more on a second watch because you'd be like, oh, that's that thing, and that links up to this a little bit more. Mm. So yeah, I, I think it was something. I mean, I, I I watched it a lot. I used to rewatch it quite a lot because I just really enjoyed it. 
and yeah I picked up different things every sort of time little little mm. snippets here and there and bits and pieces so and it was the same thing watching it again because it's been such a long time since I've watched it so mm. it was like oh these things I remember this uh, so Susanna gets taken to um, Claymore this yep. this mm-hmm. uh, institute for people with Actually, it was it was kind of interesting that Claymore didn't have any sign like an Institute for Troubled Minds, which you often see in like sixties mm, things. Yeah. Or, you know, where they basically just refer to it as like, you know, the Looney Bin. Like when there's, the, it didn't feel as though it had that sort of um, on the front door stigma that you got with mental health stuff in the sixties. But Susanna knew what it was as well, though, yeah. because he said, "Oh, you know, we're gonna." She's he said, "You know, there's a great institution we can take you to, and it's only half an hour away." She's like, "You don't mean Claymore, do you?" Like mm. she knows what it is, and she's like, yeah. "I know what kind of people get I mean, sent here." And, for, mm. for, for a local context, though, in Perth, if someone were to say something like Greylands, yeah, uh, which exactly. is Greylands mm. Hospital, which is an institute for. Um, looking after people with mental health issues. Mm. If you said to someone, oh, they've been, you know, carted off to Greylands and used it in that terminology, everyone would have understood what had been meant, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that it's a film about a, a, a mental health facility from yesteryear mm. that didn't end up painting the institution as being awful. In yeah, terms of yeah. like, the, there wasn't a character like um, the, the evil nurse from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or other things like that. Like the institution was like an adversary in the first half of the film. Yeah. But that this, and I think maybe it ties into the fact that this is from someone's real life account. Yeah, it's mm. not like a dramatization of oh, you know, the evil nurses who were. D- mm. And there, yeah. there are there are bits where you're like, whoa, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they do like treatments like that anymore yeah. or you know like if you threw somebody in a bathtub full of cold water like yeah. Yeah, i don't know that and like and like the, <laughs> that nurse would still have a job you know yeah and like the character of dr melvin potts played by jeffrey tambor was was maybe like the worst one there but more out of the fact that he was just kind of like slightly incompetent and doddery mm. as opposed yeah. to anything malicious mm. and then yeah. you had dr wick who was a lady which was amazing mm. yeah and then i the other thing that i noticed is that obviously her um school principal whoever it was that she was talking to at the school was like, you're the only person not going into college, was a woman. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the panel of people who were doing her interview when she was leaving, most, most of them were also women. women. And yeah. I was just like, oh. Mm. It's like just... they only sprinkled men in to be like, yeah. it's not a town where only women exist. Yeah. But yeah. if we can use a woman in the role, we're going to use a woman. And I, I do wonder if that is reflective of her experience. Like if, if the real Susanna, the board was mostly women. Yeah. yeah, the the roles that she was interacting with, they were mostly female. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've not read her autobiography, so I don't know if that's actually the case. But it is interesting how how that's looked at, and also how, again, she is both supported by women and vilified by other women. Yeah, for but sure. very rarely is it because she is a woman. Yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of across the board for all the characters. There's that kind of sense of you know, they're all playing off each other in some capacity and sometimes it's in a really positive way and sometimes it's in a really negative way, but it's never in like a, oh, women are horrible to each other or like, mm. you know, women are best friends. Like, it's more nuanced than that. It feels very true to life. Yeah. yeah. And, but but having the Institute itself turn out to be like the thing that Susanna needed Yeah. was kind of a really interesting subversion of, I guess, the more common trope of the fact that the institution is usually evil. 
Yeah. Or I guess because it's a restriction of freedom, it gets tied into that kind of prison mentality. Yeah. So like you're expecting something that's more like the Shawshank Redemption, where yeah. it's like, this is an awful place for awful people. Yeah. And it wasn't universally that. And I kind of really dug that. Like it was, mm. yeah, it was, it was interesting. I think, I think that's part of what makes this such a compelling film is mm. that it's not like a bunch of tropes and caricatures all piled on top of each other. Mm. It's, it's more than that. And that makes it more interesting to watch, I think. Mm. Um, Georgia, can we talk about Whoopi Goldberg? Yes, always. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I do have to say that I cannot imagine anybody else playing like the mothering nursing role as good as Whoopi can. Yeah, she just, especially in that era. Yeah, she's, she's, um, so, she's, she's so good. So good. Um, I do find it really interesting that um, there was this one instance of when she has the argument with um with Winona Ryder in the bathtub mm-hmm. yeah. um, and Winona says some pretty racist things to oh, her oh yeah she gets real racist when she's angry yeah. yeah and that was kind of fascinating to see again uh, Valerie didn't rise to that she'd already said I dealt with a lot of crazy people I know exactly what like I, I, I can deal with anything but then yeah. she just went super racist and that kind of really took me out of the film and I don't know if that was just because it was just like, whoa, okay, why why did we suddenly get... I get you're angry, but why did we suddenly start calling her all these things? Yeah. I think, well, I think if you have a look as well, Whoopi Goldberg is basically the only, like, nurse. Or, like, there's no other patients that are people of colour. No. There's no other, like, orderlies that are people of colour. There's mm. no, like... She is the only one. Yeah. So... Great, great, great job on Carson. Lots of ladies. Not so good on the diversity front, but also it's the late 60s and it's America. Mm. So yeah. it's like... Mm-hmm. And, and also, I, I think that at that time, mental health facilities like that are kind of more traditionally... Um, they're more traditionally tied to money. Like, the yeah, do- sure. do- mm-hmm. like Dr... Uh, Crumble, who turns up at the start of the film, played by yeah. Kurtwood Smith, is like, I'm doing this as a favour to your father. Yeah, they're her very parents much... are obviously loaded because yeah. they're like, what will the neighbours think if we can't have and a plane that Christmas? shot of the party as well. Yeah. Like... Yeah. With all the all the money, all the kind of like uh, insinuations of wealth. Mm. Uh, and then it you've seems got... like it's not that uncommon for like that establishment either. Yeah. But lots of the like yeah. women have like daddy's money. Like mm. Brittany Murphy's character. Well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, we don't know if that character is loaded, but he has enough money to like give her a pretty nice townhouse. Yeah, yeah. When she when she is brought out of the the institution, uh, the Claymore. I yeah. keep forgetting the name. That gets taken away from Claymore. But yeah, I think it's interesting that mental health care, though not necessarily superbly done, is very much seen as being a person for for white people, being it being a mm-hmm. care for white people simply yeah. because. Um, because it, it does cost money. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, I think maybe that is interesting that, yeah, you do have one person of colour and it's mm. and it's the nurse. Mm. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. We have to talk about Angelina Jolie as Lisa. Um, Georgia, for, where, where do we even begin? I, I don't know. It's just, she's such a strong character. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's just like so well played. 
from start to finish, all of her mannerisms. Mm. She acts just with her eyes at one point and they're yeah. incredible. Yeah, the through, through, the, through the little door yeah. thing where it's like, how are you doing? Fabulous. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, Fabulous. It's, it's, She's uh, so uh, droll. Yeah. She's very dry. Um, and she... I, I just believe yeah. that she is playing that character. It's not as though, like, you know, I'm looking at... Again, going back to, like, Jeffrey Tambor, it's like, oh, there's Jeffrey Tambor playing a doctor. Yeah. Um, whereas this, it's like, no, I'm not seeing Angelina Jolie. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a fully... Fledged character. Fledged, fleshed out character. Yeah. And it's incredible. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think that's part of why this movie is so good is because Angelina Jolie's character is just insane and she's just on the whole time. And that juxtaposition between Lisa and then Susanna. And obviously there's sort of like quite a difference in terms of like builds and colours and all those sort of things. To be honest, the first time I watched this film, I didn't realise it was Angelina Jolie. Mm. Like she's just so unrecognisable, like the horrible straw hair and the little scraggly fringe and she just doesn't look like her. And when she's all hopped up on drugs and having a bad time, she just looks terrible. Mm. And it's amazing. Like I've seen, I've seen other films with actresses made up to look like drug addicts or people with like you know serious health issues and stuff, and just been like, yeah, okay. Like I don't know that I really believe this because you don't look the part she looks like. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. She, she just looks like she's having a bad time in yeah. her life, and yeah. <laughs> but she's also this destructive influence, and I think yeah. it's really interesting that. She even talks about how she's the villain because Susanna has set herself up to be a hero. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that she's like, you're only painting me as the villain and I'm going to start acting that way because I've read in your diary that you think I'm bad. And she is bad, but at the same time, she's someone who needs help. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really fascinating that they set them up as sort of two peas in the same pod that Susanna and Lisa Mm -hmm. are similar and that I think it's all so interesting almost straight away Susanna starts acting like Lisa Mm. like when she blows the smoke in that lady's face and that lady (laughs) just goes asshole yeah (laughs) Um, it's it's just from like one interaction with Lisa she's like oh maybe I should not be nice to people and then she does it and she's like oh god sorry (laughs) sorry yeah Um, but I think it's interesting that then when they do break after Daisy's death Mm-hmm. and Susanna goes back to the Institute and Lisa doesn't and she gets that help and then they set up that third act conflict between the two of them which is amazing yeah so and, just, and just her turning around and going nobody cares about you because you're already dead like mm-hmm. oh my god just brutal and she just crumbles because previously Lisa had basically had all this power and was able mm. to manipulate Susanna into like, you know, this relationship. Mm. And then Susanna has gotten better and has realized, no, you're actually really toxic and I'm not going to put up with it. And she just absolutely cuts her down. Mm. And Lisa just crumbles and it's like, wow, this is such a damaged character. Mm. And previously Susanna had seen her as being like so strong and like, you know, defiant and da 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 But because you're seeing her through her eyes. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. Given everything that Lisa does in this film, though, yeah, um, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious because I'm still kind of trying to make my mind up on this. Did you want her to either be redeemed or to get better at the end of the film? 
because obviously on the one hand she she is clearly somebody who needs that help and is broken but on the other hand we see her do awful things Mm. including um most significantly bullying daisy into the actions that means that she takes her life yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and Daisy is also somebody who needed that help and clearly shouldn't have been out of the out of Claymore. No. Yeah. Um but part of me was like uh, watching that end sequence where Susanna's like and you know most of those ladies were out by the 70s and, and you're like but was it her? Yeah. And I liked they didn't say that but I uh, the yeah. thing I was thinking was oh, I hope that she did get that help. She did kind of contribute to the death of like somebody else through bullying though. Mm. And I'm a little bit conflicted about whether or not I wanted Lisa to get redemption. And I guess we don't find out, but... I like yeah. I like that it's ambiguous. Mm. I like that all of those characters' endings, like whether they get out or not, is ambiguous. I think that's better because then the audience can kind of put it together in their own brain and mm. go, well, you know, I would rather that she got stuck in there forever. Like, I don't think she's safe to be out in society. So if that's what you think, then... Yeah. yeah, or her like, line about like I push everyone else's buttons because no one pushes mine. Yeah, it just like does she just need someone to like? I feel like most of the people have given up on her. Yeah, and that's how she's gained her like power, quote yeah. unquote, yeah. is by people being like she's just worthless and just a druggie with like a real bad mental illness that's hopeless, yeah. and therefore she's like, well, I'm in here. Let me just mm. play this game that they've inserted me in and chosen my role for me. And mm. when that becomes really clear when she reads the book, I wonder if how much of a turning point that is for her. Yeah. And maybe we, we see it's definitely a turning point for um, the, the compulsive liar <laughs> uh, yeah. character um, of Georgina, who when, when Susanna is saying... Um, her goodbyes and she's like maybe I'm a liar and Georgina's like no I think you're probably right and it's like cool and I think that's kind of interesting um, seeing how that is is played I think that ending sequence is incredibly well put together there's so many lovely little tiny details when they're chasing through the tunnels or when they're all her saying goodbyes. goodbye yeah yeah there's so that, many that lead yeah uh, so for example obviously leaving ruby the cat with polly is a nice touch so beautiful but she also kisses polly on the burnt side of her face yeah yeah and i was like yes it's like i'm now embracing you for your whole identity whereas obviously a point of conflict between those two was Susanna writing in the journal about um her hiding behind the burn I guess Mm. and I thought that was really lovely and kind of like a really important thing for for building that and painting Lisa's nails yeah like I've never painted my nails I've never had anyone paint my nails for me but I I picked up on the fact where it's like okay this is you giving care to somebody else yeah intimate especially when the person is strapped to a bed yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it was just I was I was like that is that's the kind of such thing a that good you, way of that's, showing that's that. The, that's yeah. the kind of thing that you do for like your best girlfriends. It's the kind of thing that you do for like your sister. Like mm. it's that it's very intimate. It's a very yeah. It's it's very symbolic of like this is like a female friendship thing. Mm. Like the kind of thing you do at a sleepover when you're like ten. Yeah, and I think that's very sweet as well because the two of them are obviously very damaged, and part of that was them growing up to become damaged because mm. they they they're young women still. Yeah. And yeah, her offering that little bit of normalcy is really lovely. 
And I also think um, there's great that there's that kind of intimacy as well, in a more removed sense, between Valerie and mm. Susanna, where Valerie's like, you always think of me when you shave your legs, which, yeah. <laughs> which is such a nurse thing to say. And, mm. you know, have, just just knowing so many nurses in my life, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what a nurse would say. Um, some, so, something else that I really like, and just going back to the other girls in the institution for a while there, um, I really like how all the little background other girls who you don't get to know very well all have their own little things as well because there's that girl who's always in the background with her dolls mm-hmm. holding on to the dolls and you, you're just kind of sitting there going like, oh, like, what's her story? Like, you know, did she have a baby taken away from her? Is she like, what's the deal with her? Mm. There's the, um, the, um, there's the two other girls, the one who laughs all the time. Oh my gosh, I can't remember her name. There's, 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 there's a couple of them. Mm. Um, uh, well, there's there's Janet the anorexic who's yeah, kind of like the ballerina, const- yeah, constantly running around and, and I doing want things. My fucking clothes. Well, um, you have to eat something then. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh boy. And then there's uh, Jillian, who's a sociopath, um, the one that picks the lock so they can go bowling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're right. There are all these characters that get their their little like. A little things. in terms of on time, uh, screen time moments. Yeah, they might not say a lot, but they're there, yeah. and they're, you can you get a good sense of kind of who they are. Yeah, even without them being a main player. Yeah, it's just really nicely done, and none of it felt like it was leaning into tropes. No, in, in terms of you know the usual tropes that you get with the depiction of, of mental health mm. asylums. Um. It, it's just really good. Yeah, I like yeah. that none of them had hysteria. Yeah. There was no, like, all the, of them mm. seemed, like, well-thought-out diagnoses. Yeah, they, they have their moments of heightened emotion and getting, you know, lifted and dragged away by orderlies because that's what happens and that's, yeah. you know, we, you need that. We see that for almost all the characters. Mm. It happens at points. But very rarely are they being, like, openly injected to be sedated like Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2, you know, mm-hmm. like that, which is maybe the most recent depiction of mental health I think <laughs> I've watched in another film. And that's just for the criminally insane. You know, it's one of those yeah. kind of places. Um, but yeah, I just think it's, it's a very thought provoking film. Yeah. It's very thought provoking. I think it's very thoughtful. Mm. It's just, and just so beautifully put together. I was actually quite surprised watching it because obviously one of my favorite things is the music. And obviously like the, um, the music from that time period is kind of comes in and out and some of it's quite obvious and some of it's a bit more subtle because a lot of it is diegetic music is happening in the background, like of the scene, like it's actual things that are happening. And then you've got the musical score as well, which you should listen to just the score by itself because it's amazing and it's got a beautiful mixture of instruments that they bring in all the little creepy like noises and like lots of stuff coming through that just heightens it just that little bit it's not but it's not super obvious I think some movie scores nowadays are just very bombastic and it's like every like everything has to be like a John Williams score level of Mm -hmm. stuff if you think about the way they use music in like the Avengers films it's very over the top and like heightened emotion and do, 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 do. and this is really subtle and I love that mm. yeah I, love I didn't that. notice it much which mm. I think is I would be really interested to listen to the yeah like composition by itself I'm pretty sure there's a feature on this which is where you can actually just listen to the soundtrack mm. just by itself yeah cool. like on the DVD mm-hmm. which 
I think says something about how good the actual thing is. Mm. But yeah. yeah. And also the music of the time that's used is used really yeah, well. Obviously, really um, Downtown is featured when I they try and... Gonna have it stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. The End of the World, Skitty Davis, which yeah. is such a great song. It is a great song. And it does bring us to the one other kind of thing that we do have to talk about with this film, which is... Uh, Daisy and specifically the depiction of Daisy's suicide yeah man um, it's it's very full on yeah it is full on um, in terms of we see not the the act of the suicide itself but, but the, the act of discovery of mm. um, which is that scene is amazing horrifying. yeah the yeah. way that Winona responds to that is just yeah. like ah oh, it's and like, so good you knew Georgia like I think but we're both first time watchers but we both knew yeah, yeah. 30 seconds to a minute before the reveal <laughs> of, of you the were body like, of Daisy we're oh, like this this is bad something bad as about soon to as the song had the word goodbye in it I yeah. was like oh, oh no, no. <laughs> oh no and the fact that we see her leaving the downstairs and coming up the stairs but upstairs is all dark and then going into the bedroom and the music and, starts to play again. and also the final shot of daisy as she goes upstairs where she lingers at the top of the stairs and it's that beautiful shot all those lovely angles and it's just mm. her framed at the top of the oh it's just mm. so good and the cat's there the best cat actor in, in the world such a good cat it's so yeah good. ruby is amazing in this ruby deserved a little cat-based oscar for, for what they Absolutely. were doing it was a very good cat actor. um but yeah the 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 depiction of suicide in film and particularly suicide around mental health as well mm. i think is something which is or has been problematic in yeah. in mm-hmm. different films but my own feeling watching this is that i did not necessarily find how they depicted this as being problematic in the sense that, that yeah. I, I i don't feel as though that daisy as a person or the act of suicide was disrespected beyond obviously mm. the character of Lisa who is like, disrespective yeah. Yeah. yeah and like you know steals money from her dressing gown mm. uh, did you feel the same Georgia as a first time watcher yeah I felt like if there's any way that you have to show it yeah that's probably I th- yeah a bit like it didn't glorify anything yeah mm. the, the, it also didn't it wasn't, blame it, like wasn't it wasn't romanticized whereas yeah. sometimes when people like commit suicide in films it's all very like it's the same way I think that things like rape get depicted on screen and it's kind of like romanticized or sexualized and people are like, oh, like it's just like softening it to make it better. I think mm-hmm. that happens a lot with, with suicide and with things like that as well. But this was very like, and it's interesting because this is the scene, um, obviously as we started to get further into scene, you were like, oh, this is the scene you were talking about that got cut out of the version that you saw on TV. Yeah. Because when I saw it, obviously when it was on the TV, like that very visceral image of this, body hanging with the like her face is all purple like it's it's full on Mm. um the version that they put on the tv obviously to keep the rating a bit lower and make it appropriate viewing for you know being on australian tv they cut out quite a few of those shots Mm. so obviously you still saw like you didn't see lisa taking the money out of her wallet they had the lines about it but it was most of the shots they kept from the other direction so you weren't seeing her they still had the shot where you could see the bottom of the feet just dangling yeah, but that was it but that was pretty much it and they had her hand dangling down where you see the hand that's covered in blood yeah. but there were no other shots taken from that other angle where you can see her just hanging up there mm. and so when i watched this for the first time on a dvd i was like what the fuck like where did this come from because i'd not seen it i was like wow that is like that's full on mm. and watching it again 
yeah, I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's really full on. Mm. Mm. But I think it's, yeah, it's, it sort of shows like this, this kind of also that it's that thing of when somebody commits suicide, there are people who are left behind then who have to then clean up mm. and mm-hmm. try and like, what, what do you, what do you do when you go upstairs and the person whose house you'll, you've been staying in is, has hung themselves from the shower curtain and it mm. obviously also opened up her wrists again as mm. well. So, you know, she was going one way or the other and it was just like, oh man. Mm. And I think it, one of the things that was really interesting was that Dr. Melvin Potts is the one that comes and finds um, Susanna, who's yeah. still at the house. And it's the, really the last time we see him in the film, uh, unless I'm forgetting something. And he is obviously very emotionally shaken up. Um, I think the last thing he says is, oh, I think we need to go get a litter tray for yeah, the cat. I think yeah, that's yeah. his last bit. <laughs> yeah, when they, when they get back. And I thought that was interesting as well, seeing as he's shown as being a little incompetent yeah. Um, throughout mm-hmm. the film but I think again that fed into the fact that he's not a bad person or like he's not evil or he's not like out to get these these just ladies a, he's just a bit of an idiot yeah, yeah. Um, but it was yeah I, I just felt it was handled much better than I've seen suicide of people with mental health issues depicted in other films yeah yeah even recently like it hasn't really improved no mm. I think this is, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, would you guys like some trivia I'd about uh, Girl Interrupted? Always. Love some trivia. Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it isn't true, don't blame me. Um, the first thing we've got to talk about is Angelina Jolie winning an Oscar. Yeah, she did. I thought she, she won did. the Best Supporting Actress Oscar, the only Oscar that uh, this film picked up, but, you know, not bad for a um, $40 million budget film. Like, not, not a big, big budget film. Decent yeah. money. Amazing cast. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, she got uh, the Best Supporting Actress in the Oscars in the year 2000 for this role, uh, beating out... Well-deserved. Uh, uh, yeah. Well-deserved. So well She's deserved. bloody good. Yeah. Beating out uh, Tony Collette, who uh, was nominated for The Sixth Sense. As, oh, really? Um, as the mother of the child um, mm-hmm. who could see uh, dead people. Oh, and... Um, I mean, Tony Collette's pretty damn good in that film, but oh, yeah. but this is um, this is something else. Yeah. Like it is, mm-hmm. it is such an such such a, such a performance that is worthy of awards, essentially. Yeah, um, where you're like, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, this is this is some good this is some good stuff. This yeah. is good squishy. She did it. Yeah, she was amazing. Mm. Uh, Winona Ryder is an executive producer on this film. Uh, she acquired the rights to the novel herself and spent seven years trying to get this film made. Oh, good on you, Winona. Mm. And she's great. Yeah, got it. Got it there in the end, and she's bloody good. <laughs> like, yeah, she is yeah. bloody good. And so clearly, good. had properly fully engaged with yeah. the story of of Susanna and and mm. that whole narrative. Yeah, and I feel like she felt spent the whole like seven years with the rights, just character studying mm. that book. Um. Angelina Jolie avoided any communication with Winona Ryder while they were making the film, claiming that if she saw anything human about Winona, she would not have been able to act out the sociopath character Lisa Rowe as effectively. So she was she was method acting it then. That's yeah. interesting. Or at least just in terms of just not interacting with Winona. I don't know if she was not interacting with other actors on set, mm. but I think obviously because that's the key relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not always big on method acting um for example i think uh 
one of this film's co-stars, Jared Leto, uh, for, for later roles mm-hmm. when he's engaging in method acting practices of like sending gifts of dead rats to other people when he was in Suicide Squad is like, okay, buddy, like, <laughs> let's let's have a talk. This seems Just dial like, that back a little. Yeah, this it's dial that back. But I think I actually don't mind that as a practice in terms of mm. particularly if at the beginning angelina just goes hey winona love you but um i think it's better if we do it like this i think if both actors have kind of like said yeah mm. this is a good idea then i'm i'm all for it mm. um and look clearly i think it definitely had an effect because their relationship is interesting it's very intense yeah. it's yeah very fascinating, fascinating. yeah I, don't, I can't think of another female relationship that i've seen like this on screen Mm. Like not off the top of my head anyway. Uh, Much of the movie was filmed at the Harrisburg State Hospital in Pennsylvania. The hospital was still in use for treatment of mentally ill patients at that time. Uh, It only closed down in 2006. So actual facility for for people with mental health issues, which is maybe why it looks so authentic in some ways. Yeah, and I guess why you only see that one floor. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you, there's mention of there being other patients in a whole male ward. Yeah. But I like that you never explore yeah, beyond, we, like, this is it. Yeah, we see, like, the bathroom and a classroom and then like, the, the, the secret room. bowling alley, which yeah. could be a set, you know. Um, yeah, I think that is that is really interesting. We never do see the cafeteria, do we? No. It gets yeah. mentioned a lot at the beginning. And then yeah. we, I don't, I think we see it in one shot when she's starting to write the books. When she's starting to write, have, after having seen Daisy's death. And mm. she's doing her therapy and they have that montage of writing. I think there is one shot. Yeah, in the I think cafeteria. she's in the cafeteria once. But, but that also could be any other. Yeah. It's not super obvious. Yeah, it wasn't like a big mm. wide shot of, look how many tables are here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the book and film Girl Interrupted take their title from the painting Girl Interrupted at Her Music by Dutch painter. Oh, is, that the one, is that the one where she's like looking at the, the person who's painting the thing, just like, why? Like, you're the worst. Like, has a really angry face. I think I know the painting. I'm going to just agree with you. Uh, I, I think I know that I painting. Know. Uh, we have an image of Girl Interrupted at Her Music. This is the painting. Is this the one that you were thinking of? I think so, yeah. Mm. Hang on. Yeah, she does not look impressed. No. She does look a little bit like Winona Ryder, though. Um, a smidge. She's, she's, she's like pale, like dark hair. Yeah. Little pixie face. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd buy it. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't buy it. It's probably very expensive. But... <laughs> it's a Vimeo, yeah. I yeah. would say it's very expensive. <laughs> but I would buy it. The song Angel of the Morning on the film soundtrack... Merrily Rush. ...was composed by Angelina Jolie's uncle, Chip oh, Taylor. damn. Cool. So, yeah, just a fun family connection there. Um, the director, James Mangold, states in DVD commentary that the original cut of this film was three hours long. Oh, this version has not been shown publicly nor released on any media. Oh. The DVD, uh, such as the one that we were watching today, does contain 15 minutes of scenes deleted from the final cut, but uh, there has been no release of the full three-hour version. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, there are deleted scenes, I think. Do you feel this scenes. film needed more scenes? No. No, I think I'm it's interested to know, to know what they was, are. <laughs> whether it was just like fleshing out of the scenes that we saw or mm. if it was just like whole other things. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think as well, like, there's a couple of scenes where it's like, you know, it's the transitioning of the seasons and the transitioning of the stuff, and you get all those lovely overlaid shots, and it's like, do, 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 like, it's a lot of overlay stuff going mm. on. I'd love to see some of them broken down a bit slower so you could actually get a really good sense of what's happening in each one because I feel like there was so much happening. Mm. Yeah. 
there was a lot that I was like, I want to spend more time in this world just for a second, just like yeah. figure out what's going on, mm. what's happening. Mm. There were a couple of other actresses who were linked with the role of Lisa. Oh, yeah. Um, one was Claire Danes. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you reckon she could have done... Okay, this is a tricky one because obviously Angelina Jolie won an Oscar for this. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to say, do you reckon she could have done it better than the Oscar-winning Angelina Jolie? But do you think they could have done... Do you think Claire Danes could have done this role as effectively, considering this is a couple of years after Romeo and Juliet? I think it would have been very different. I think Claire Danes has got a, her, her, her kind of like vibe and energy as an actress, I think is probably closer to somebody like Winona Ryder. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I feel like maybe there would have been a little bit too... I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Claire Danes is also a very good little actress. So I'm not sure. The other actress who auditioned for the role that we know of mm. was Rose McGowan. Oh yeah, I could see that. Hmm. And so. she's she's got a quite a similar look to um, Angelina Jolie as well. Uh, somewhat, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, could have had a little bit of charmed in there, as well as a little bit of supernatural. Oh man, <laughs> with my, the... I tell you what, my little and and when this came out in two thousand was just before Charmed finished. Mm. So she would have just been finishing up Charmed actually, because Charmed finished in two thousand one. Mm. So she would have been like just oh man. But we do have to mention baby Misha Collins. Oh my God, he's <laughs> so adorable. Yeah, um, and he's only in it for a few seconds, kind I of know. like chatting up uh, when I'm a rider. Yeah. Um, and he has that really funny thing of like, no, no, he still sees. He still sees purple people. <laughs> he still sees purple. He still people. sees purple people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just really he's nice great. to see him just in this like tiny role. Like baby Misha Collins was fun. Um, finally, the ice cream parlor that the girls visit um, is Eccles Soda Fountain in uh, Pennsylvania. Eccles. It's a real place. It's a real ice cream bar. Uh, And it now has, if you go to that store, a Girl Interrupted Sunday. Amazing. That's great. The Girl Interrupted Sunday. Is it with hot fudge? Features vanilla ice cream, hot fudge, whipped cream, peanuts, a cherry, and nuts. (laughs) And rainbow sprinkles. And rainbow sprinkles, uh, not chocolate. Not chocolate. Well, I believe it does because I have a picture of it here for the t- for the two of you to observe. This Yay, is from their rainbow Facebook sprinkles. page. Rainbow sprinkles. Rainbow sprinkles. Amazing. Yeah, that's real cool. So if that's you're so ever good. in uh, Pennsylvania and fancy uh, an ice cream uh, and want to get confronted about sleeping with somebody's professor husband, then by all means go <laughs> and go visit Eccles <laughs> Soda Fountain. Amazing. Um, all that remains for us to do now is to score. Girl Interrupted. Um, So what we do, uh, Georgia, is we sit here and we try and give this film a score out of 10. One being, uh uh-oh, that was bad. 10 being a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're going to let Ellen score it first. um, Just so that you get an idea of how this goes. Look, I mean, I I, I think it's very easy. I I think part of when we're sort of judging these is it's kind of, is there anything I think that would have made this film any better? Yes, no. Like for me, I think this is still like a ten out of ten film. I don't know that there's much you could add to it or change mm. to make it better. I think it's beautifully shot. I think it's the acting is incredible. It's just an amazing little film. I love the soundtrack. It's just yeah, I love the whole kit and caboodle. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it um I'm gonna give it ten amazing cat actors out of ten. All right. <laughs> Now that you've seen how it's done, Georgia, uh, what score would you give Girl Interrupted? I don't know. I feel like it's right up there. Mm. Don't know if it's quite a 10 for me, but mm. I could be on a second watch, I think, like mm. picking up on more of the intricacies because I know that there's definitely more from the film, mm. like out of multiple watches in. Maybe nine out of five 
acting just through a window with your eyes. Nine uh, eye acting. Nine eye acting. Yes, very nice. <laughs> um, I, look, I think this is a very, very good film. Mm. Uh, I, I'm also of a mind that it's probably not 10 out of 10 for me. It didn't... Mm. I was never an angsty teenage writing kid. <laughs> an angsty teenage girl who was like, yeah. yes, all the angsty teenage girlness. Yes. Um, so it, it doesn't have that hold for me, but it's clearly a very good film. Mm. Um, and I would say that it's definitely worth watching. Um, obviously, with a couple of caveats for um, you know people who are affected by issues around this. It, for sure, yeah. It mm-hmm. might not be appropriate for them uh, if, if that is something that, that affects them. But also, I feel like if there is a film which discusses these issues and you're going to be able to watch it. I feel yeah. like this is probably as good as it gets, um, at least in terms of stuff from, from 1999, mm. I, I certainly think. Yeah. You're going to do well to find something that discusses it better. So, look, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it eight and a half bathtub throws out of ten. <laughs> um, she really threw into that bathtub. She did. Check. I just love the fact that she's like, no, I'm just going to have a little rest, and then Whoopi Goldberg just picks her up, just yeah. scoops her right up, and just carts her off and tiny like, Winona Ryder. No, it's mm-hmm. a just chucks her in the bath. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, oh, Georgia dear. and Ellen, that brings us to the end of this review of Girl Interrupted. Thank you so much for watching it with me. Thank you for Thanks. letting me review Thanks it. for having me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, a big thank you to Dr. Ellen Sears for uh, picking this film and also for the 24 previous episodes that you've been on. You're welcome. And... Uh, <laughs> Georgia, one down, 24 to go. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, but yes, um, we, we are going to be doing this as, as other guests uh, start to reach the magical number of 25 that I've arbitrarily picked. Um, we are going to let them pick. But we also let you, the audience, pick films sometimes. Uh, and if you want to help pick the films, you can go over to our Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. And when the monthly film poll goes up, you can vote. Ah, oh, but Stephen, I want to help pick what films are in the poll. Well, you have to go over to our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash podcast, and you get to actually suggest the films that go into the poll. And sometimes, like we did in May, we just let you pick a film just straight up. We go, what do you want to watch? Boom, there we go. Uh, so by all means, head over to patreon.com forward slash podcast to join us there. And to get an episode each and every week, you've got to subscribe just to make sure that it turns up on your device, in your computer, on your phone, however you're listening to it. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us via iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. But that's all for this week. So until next time, Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.